Hello, my name is Naveed Minhas, the FS Digital Platform Leader in the Middle East with PwC. 2020 has been an unprecedented year so far, with 5G suddenly becoming controversial, with social media battles playing out on what's right to post, but more significantly, COVID-19 that's disrupted all our lives. Where planes stopped flying, GDPs got dented, and working from home became a norm. Inevitably, consumer habits have changed. Yet in all this turmoil, many in the financial industry see COVID-19 as an agent of change to introduce digital transformation. With this backdrop, we at PwC were keen to understand the thoughts of our leaders in the financial industry. So in this series of podcasts, we'll be asking our guests, what's your why for FS in digital? So please join and share your comments for us to engage in the months ahead. Welcome to another episode of What's Your Why for FS in Digital? As financial comparison websites like Sukal Mall understand better how consumer behavior is changing, it's becoming evident that customers are looking for more value across all digital channels. It is therefore my pleasure to welcome to this episode Ambri Musa, the CEO of Sukal Mall, a financial comparison website based in the Middle East. It's a company name which in Arabic means money market. Welcome, Amri. You're welcome. I'm uh, very glad to be here and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Amri, the world's currently stumbling to understand, are we going to have a U-shaped recovery or a V-shaped recovery? Whatever form this recovery takes as it slowly creeps up upon us, it's clear that confidence is going to be a key catalyst for growth. Now, in the midst of all this, given entrepreneurs like you have been able to establish Circle Mall as a successful comparison website in the region, we wanted to focus today on a key theme around how entrepreneurs could help evolve the financial services landscape. So, post-COVID, as consumer buying patterns are changing and traditional borrowing choices are also evolving, what do you see as customers beginning to want more from comparison websites like Circle Mall? Look, I think it's been basically the most interesting four months of running uh, Sukalmal, I have to admit, I think. And I always say I don't think we'll ever get that opportunity again of running a virtual company with everybody working from home. And interestingly enough, we never thought it was possible, but but it is. Um, and I think the last four months has been very much around innovation, around how do you survive this crisis? This is a black swan nobody was expecting. Um, so it's been incredibly interesting. It, it's really put our team into a place where you need to innovate to figure out how to get through the crisis, how to build new products. And, and I think more specifically, coming back to your question is, what are consumers looking for? Um, we are going through probably another two to three years recession, unfortunately. And I think probably the biggest word for me that's come out of all our consumers has been value. We need value for money. You you know, at the back of um, unexpected un- unemployment at the back of salary cuts at the back of unpaid leaves and the consumers has become extremely focused on you know every dirham i'm spending where is this going is this actual value for money is this a basic necessity or is it a luxury that i use to afford myself because i used to take for granted that i was paid at 100 percent. so i think consumer behavior has changed but what struck me the most in the region for me was the digital adoption Right. It's, so you've got one side, which is value for money and, and, and trying to save as much as possible and literally go down the path of 
understanding how to save for a rainy day. But more importantly, the digital adoption. Five years ago, when we used to speak to investors, um, it was a lot about, you know, give it another five, six, ten years, consumer behavior, i.e. adopting the digital channel, will get there. We will get to the Western level. We will get to the level where the uh, developed countries are. In the last four months, the adoption of the digital channel has gone all-time high because we were forced to. Customers who didn't never, never wanted to get there and never wanted to use the digital channels actually were forced to. And we did a survey at Sokolman, which was incredibly interesting, which um, we looked at specifically financial services and 65% of customers who use the digital channel for banking or insurance services for the first time said they will come back and they will stay. So what was um, amazing to me to see was we've literally catalyzed the adoption of the digital channel within four months. We've caught up with the five years um, in any other, other time and, and country. Um, and 65% of those customers says they will use it again. So the whole digital adoption is here to stay. So And, and I think the consumer has been forced into it and are willingly accepting the fact that you know, most companies are now going online and, and a lot of insurance companies and um, banks are also, you know, all these projects that were at the back um, on, on the on the shelves or put on the shelves because they were not a priority has become priorities. So from a consumer angle, I think it's fantastic for them because now you've got the convenience, the speed and everything done online being focused, being the focus of insurance companies and banks, which consumers has been crying for, but they were not a priorities for these insurance companies and those banks. And I think at this point of time, it's um, it's going to happen. So I think the really two words for me is digital and value for money. But just reflecting on your initial thoughts and the, the results of the survey done by Sokol Moore makes me probably better understand how companies are driving more value now for customers. But just how will that drive digital adoption for customers? And also, just what types of products did you see shelved and what types of products now being brought forward to drive more value in digital with? If you talk to any bank and insurance companies now, there's famous projects that's been shelved were projects such as giving a pre-approval online to the customer on their credit application or the insurance policies instantly. Um, now, from a, from a comparison side perspective, it's been great for us. Um, customers were forced to go online, and especially when the RTO announced that you didn't have to do a testing and you could get your policies right away and you could, you could register your car. I mean, our sales went up 30% day on day at that period of time. So it was a great thing for us. And I think the projects now you see that's being very focused on is end-to-end -end customer experience, all digital. And that's what we've been talking to banks and insurance companies quite, quite fully about. Um, on the other hand, what we've done, and I was talking to you about earlier on about innovating and, and understanding what the consumer needs are and trying to answer to that is during the, the COVID-19, we launched the first ever monthly car insurance premium that ever existed in the region. So customers could not have to get out the full 3,000 dirhams of one-off on their motor insurance because people couldn't afford it anymore. Uh, but they can now pay it on a monthly basis over 12 months period, like every other country in the world. We'd launched this over COVID and I, I, I can tell you that the situation with the COVID-19 pushed us to think that way and pushed us to launch something even for us. We're a bit on the shelf for a while. Um, and when we realized that customers couldn't afford a comprehensive car insurance because it was too much and the salaries had been cut, 
that's when we pushed it forward saying, well, let's offer them a monthly installment um, car insurance product. And those numbers went up as well. And it was so well received by consumers saying, you know what, this is fantastic. I can now take my product, take my expense, instead of paying it one off, I can capitalize this over 12 months and I can pay for it on a 12 months period, which eases the cash flow of the customer. And the way we've done it as well is very different from how the banks would normally do it, which they block the credit limit on your card. The way yeah. we've done We've offered a 12 months car insurance premium without blocking that credit limit. And what that does, allow the customer to use that credit limit for something else that is even more important. Um, and you'll find a lot of innovation coming through. It, innovation takes time to come to the market, especially with traditional businesses. And I think once insurance companies and banks, which I have seen are going fully into the end-to-end -end process of how do you deploy and how to acquire customers online, um, you will start seeing those results happening in the next in the next few months, I would say. That's really great, Umbri, to see companies now acquiring customers across all digital channels and offering dynamic financial products to them where clearly data provides great insight for driving that growth as well. And, and perhaps it's no surprise that disruptors like Amazon are are almost innovating the boom that we see them experiencing at this present time. But is it that data and insights are almost becoming a transcript for success in this era that we're seeing? Or is it that entrepreneurs are just being so good at being uh, innovative and disruptive as well? And is it that these, these two forces are almost playing against each other at this present time? So they're not forces against each other, union analytics to build the products, right? So for me, it's a complementary piece of it. So what you'll find now is, the fact that you go digital more and more and more, tracking of customer behavior is become more and more, if you want, it's to become easier and easier to track customer behavior. Um, what do you do with this data is the question. You can be gathering enormous amount of data and keeping your database and you know every single page your customer has gone to, you know every single um, other sites they've gone to, you understand and the purchase behavior, you understand where they were before coming to your website, you understand what route they've taken and what kind of product they bought. But unless you do something with this, it's data and it's not information. Um, so I think from an analytics point of view, it's become more important than ever because what it does is it allows you to understand your customer base on a mass level versus an individual level. You can start building trends. You can start connecting the devices to your social media. You get a much, much stronger picture of your consumer base at a mass level. And from that is where new fintech, new insurtech companies and the, the smaller ones coming through are using this data to eventually come up with customized product for the consumer. Right. One of the areas, if you talk about insurance disruption innovation, one of the areas which we still haven't done yet, which I know a lot of insurance and insurtech companies are trying to do is how do you provide a customer a insurance policy that is customized fully to them, the way they drive, the, where how much security there is in their house and what do they have in their house, just a customer behavior around um, how the lifestyle is based and therefore give them a product that fits them versus what we have today in the insurance industry is, well, you've got a car, that's the color of the car, that's how many miles it's got on it, and here we go, 2.5% is your premium. It's got nothing to do with how the consumer drives, 
where he does, where he goes, how much does he drive? There is none of that. And that's because we don't have the analytics and the data to do that enough. Um, in the US, one of the most interesting um, part that's come out lately is they've now even connecting your credit report and score to your premium. Because in their mind is, if you, if you miss any of your payments and have a poor credit score, the chances are you're quite reckless as a person and therefore the chances of you having a claim and not driving safely is probably higher, right? Everything is around data and analytics. I think it's become even stronger than ever. And I think using the analytics to improve your customer experience, showing you how somebody's coming from A to Z to complete that transaction, how many steps did they have to take and where are they dropping off? It gives you that. It gives you enough data and enough understanding of the consumer to understand the kind of product that they actually need. And third, it actually gives you enough information to customize the, the, the product specifically on an individual level. Right? So they call it the mass customization in a certain way. So I think data analysis has just become more powerful. I think that, that what is important is not just to take data and, and keep it, but to make something out of it and analyze it and pull out proper information about what you can use um, in your organization. I think it, it's, it's become the backbone of any organization, if you ask me. So from digital adoption to regulation. In 2019, the UAE insurance industry was worth over 15 billion US dollars. And it's quite clear that uh, consumer demand is driving the need for more and more adoption of new digital technologies. In fact, if we look at uh, how the US uh, insurance industry is almost being um, challenged with startups like Lemonade designing new customer experiences, new customer journeys with so much AI and automation. If today um, you were asked to, to, to sort of pose a question to the regulators and the insurance industry in the Middle East, where would you say that they could lean forward towards to help us drive the industry going forward? I think regulation is basically at the backbone of the financial and insurance industry. Um, this is an industry, I would probably say it's the most regulated industry that we have in the region um, and also the least disrupted one. Um, what you have to remember is the financial system is really the backbone of an economy. So when you touch the financial system, um, it does take a lot of thought process because one regulation can actually have a, a rollover effect on, on something else that you don't think about if you go too fast. So I think, I think, look, I think we've been um, working on how to bring the insurance industry and the finance industry towards innovation and digitization. We are still far away from it. Um, I think there is a need for a lot more understanding on how the digital world works and, and how innovation builds itself up. The issue with innovating is when you're a startup or when you're a young company, and which is where all, most of the innovations come out, it takes a lot of investment to do so. It takes a lot of investment and time and thought process to actually come up with the innovation. Um, and what happens very often is regulators in a certain economy needs those fintech and insurtech to come to them and explain to them how they work. And actually there has to be, from my perspective, especially in this region, I think, there is a lack of the working together of the new fintech and insurtech companies and the regulators. I think I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more of regulators doing uh, roundtables with insurtech and fintech companies that they don't regulate yet, but they want to. And I think having those people around the table, which is the stakeholders of innovation, if you ask me, 
and understanding how the new world and the new innovation and, and how these insurtech are meant to be profitable, what the business model even looks like, can help regulators build regulation to promote the innovation, but to also not, having said that, to also not disrupt too much the existing traditional industry um, and give time to also the traditional players in the market to adapt themselves um, to the new regulation. I think if we manage to build that ecosystem with stakeholders around the table and not just the current traditional ones who are regulated, but speak to every stakeholder and have one vision, I think we could get a very, 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 we could get very far with it and, and we could bring ourselves up a long way from where we are today. Thanks, Samreen. Clearly, InsureTech is going to be an interesting meeting of minds for months to come. And for regulators listening to this discussion, uh, it'd be great to see how they understand digitizing channels will drive more consumer confidence back into the industry. And speaking of channels, mobile is a critical channel for all banks with customers typically visiting this channel eight to 10 times a month. So how do you see mobile as a channel beginning to evolve for the financial services landscape in the region? Look, as I was saying earlier on, I think uh, the mobile channel for banks and insurance companies is we're still behind on the user experience on the ability to do things. Open banking is one of the areas that's starting to pick up. But we just recently did a focus group yesterday um, with a whole lot of our customers looking exactly at, um, at how customers use their applications and what they do, what they do from a financial perspective. And I can tell you, out of the 10 people we did focus groups on, nine of them said they will not adopt open banking because they do not trust any app or any other company to give their uh, the banking credentials with. If you go to Europe into the Western world, the trust is there. So I think there is still work to do on the trust level, but it will get there. It's about who is innovative enough to actually push this forward and change consumer behavior. If you look at every disruption that's ever happened in history, there was, there was always the first adopters, of course, um, and people catch on. So as much as people would tell you, no, we don't want to do this now, they do catch on when they start seeing how it affects their lives and it becomes mainstream. I mean, I don't know if you know about the report that came out, one of the big consulting firms told me ages ago, you know, where they did a whole survey and focus group about nobody would take a card into a box on a street to take cash out. And so the, the recommendation from, from this major consulting firm said, well, no, let's not build an ATM machine because nobody will use it. You know, now it's even it's even passe. It's even kind of an old thing to go to ATM machine and take cash out. So people adopt and you'd be surprised how human psychology adapt to new things that are put in front of them. But it's also for them hard to see how they would react until the reality hits. Right. Um, so I think when it comes to mobile, we, I mean, I don't think any of us can get away with not having a mobile phone for 15, 20 minutes or even half an hour anymore. But coming to the financial services industry, I think we've got a long way to go. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I hardly know any bank that I think the mobile app is out of this world. They're learning as much as we are. Everybody's learning together. But I think there is still quite some time to go and, and the innovation is still, is still yet to happen um, when it comes to, to mobile, mobile payments. Having said that globally, uh, there's statistics out there that says, you know, if between now, between last year and 2021, the level of mobile payment through banking services would actually go up by 43%. So it's growing. It's growing really, really fast. We just need to make sure we are catching up with it. And we need to make sure that the traditional businesses in the region 
are able and pushed and encouraged to catch up with giving the experience a consumer is used to outside this region. I like how you see an opportunity for mobile banking to evolve as we adopt modern uh, digital banking architectures. But is there perhaps a, a compelling customer journey that you feel we could uh, adopt and evolve further as we transform the financial landscape? There is a lot of different journeys you can think of to achieve whatever the objective is. But the fundamental of bringing customers online is speed, efficiency, and trust. And I think the word trust is a big, big one, especially in this region. I think if you walk around and ask anybody how many people trust their banks, I remember the first, at Sukalmal, the first ever survey we did about the NPS score, which is the net promoter score, I, as in, would you recommend your bank to your friends and family? And the reason the net promoter score dictates the question around friends and family is because you would never recommend anything to your friends and family that you don't trust. And in 2015, we did one survey that said only 15%, one five, would ever recommend the bank to their friends and family, right? But at the same time, we need to also look at those banks. There's legacy systems, years of legacy system that needs a huge amount of investment to take them from that legacy system to what we need to do, what consumers is looking for. Consumers are used to using Google, Amazon, Netflix. We, we've got used to this speed convenience and intuitiveness into the way we react with our mobile phones. This is what we're looking for our banks and for our insurance companies. But we're not talking about entertainment here. We're not talking about watching TV. We're talking about our finances. There's a whole level of security that needs to be put in place. So I think we need to also understand that it takes time to get there. Um, but when it comes to customer journey, my belief is, if you manage to crack the trust word with your consumers, I think you're already halfway there, right? Consumers are a lot, if they can trust you, they'll be a lot more lenient about until you get to the perfect journey. And the reason you find a lot of the journey is falling apart is because by the time a customer is halfway through, that trust level is gone. Whether it's you ask me for too much information, I'm not ready to give yet. Whether it's you've actually not told me um, transparently what are you trying to achieve with this journey? You're not telling me exactly how many questions there are. You're not telling me what you're going to be asking me next. You're not even telling me the process of what I'm going to go through. Um, or the terms and conditions, as clear as that should be laid out. So I think that word trust has got, for me, is a fundamental of any customer journey you build. It's reassuring to see CEOs like yourself driving the usage of the Net Promoter Score. Uh, I particularly liked how you emphasized trust is going to be the cornerstone for banking to continue to being relevant. Um, but we do live in interesting times, Ambreen, where uh, it's a quote by an American mathematician who said that the only certainty in life is its uncertainty. So today, to wrap up the discussion, uh, it's a question that many consultants, many employees all have on their minds, and it is about the recovery. Um, how will we drive a recovery uh, and how will we play a role in that recovery? So the question is, what skills would you recommend, uh, Amri, in your opinion, as, as being significant to make us relevant for the future? I think I've got two words to answer this question. It's adaptable and problem solver. Um, and I think if you're adaptable and you can solve problems, you can pretty much be in any industry. An industry, and I used to be a consultant with Bain for two years, and one thing you learn when you're a consultant, you can literally build knowledge around an industry in three days. Because while you've got a project due for next week, and you better know your industry inside out to be able to recommend um, from a third point of view, and I'm sure you're relating to that quite a lot, being a consultant yourself. Um, 
So I think the industry and the knowledge for me has always been a second path when I hire and I recruit talent is can you adapt? Because if you're an adaptable person, you're a problem solver, you naturally stay relevant in any industries that you, you, you're getting to. Um, of course, you know, the education and the learning is very important from a knowledge perspective. And I've seen a lot of my team do that. Just they're self, they're self teaching themselves things to stay relevant in different industries they, they want to be in. But adaptability um, and problem solver for me, the two biggest um, component of someone's character and personality um, to, to bring on. And, and that comes with environment that brings that comes a lot with your upbringing that brings a lot of, you know, how do you deal with problems? Is it do you walk away? Do you shut down? Or do you take it on? And most entrepreneurs I've seen take on the challenge. We're in COVID-19 and I've seen two types of entrepreneurs in COVID-19 is one um, where, you know what, there's nothing I can do about it. This is a black swan that came and hit me in the face. I was not expecting it. Well, I'm sorry, investors, but there's really nothing I can do about it. And there's different types of people that I've seen saying, okay, take a step back. How do we change, not the product, but the business model even? How do I make myself more relevant to either my consumer or my supplier or to the industry? Now, even with this, it may not work. It may fall apart, but you tried. You tried to be adaptable. And I think having that mindset naturally keeps you relevant to any industry and to any times that you'll be in. Great insights, Ambreen, for how to stay relevant to the future. Great insights for how we could all be looking at the recovery. Uh, adaptability clearly is going to be key for many of us. Um, it's been a great opportunity to talk with you today in this episode of What's Your Why for FS and Digital. And can I just thank you very much for your time, Ambreen. You've been a great guest. Thank you. Thank you.